Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. I don't really exactly know how this is going to unfold, and I think that that's by design. Okay, because I don't want to try to formulate what God wants to do. I know God wants to heal, and I know God is a healer. And when it comes to the supernatural activity, I have a lot of confidence in it because I've experienced a lot of supernatural activity. I've looked a lot of demons in the eyes. I've cast a lot of demons out of people. I know when a demon manifests. It's, that's easy for me. I have, I have total confidence and faith in that. And I've prayed for tons of people to be healed, and I've seen some people healed. And I know that the Lord is a healer, and I know God wants to bring deliverance and healing to people's lives. I know he does, okay? And I know that it's been a long time coming that our church, which moves in a lot of supernatural activity, we see a lot of people filled with the Spirit, tons of people are getting born again and baptized, and they're coming out of the world, right? Like, it's, it's genuine, authentic transformations by the Spirit of hurting broken people that are coming out of the world, and many of them are in Many of y'all are in process. And so I'm navigating people through situations of how do I come out of that lifestyle? And I want to, but I don't know how. And that's that's a perfect scenario for us to help people that are stuck in the world come out of that life and come out of that system into the new life that God has for them with patience and process and time. And, And many of them are having supernatural encounters. Many of them are getting delivered of demonic strongholds, addictions, fears, worries, unforgiveness, bitterness, broken relationships from their past, realizing that the lifestyle that they're in is a lifestyle I don't want to live in anymore. And that's really why so many of us are are here. It's because we want more, we believe there's more, and we're hungry for it. And we want the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does best. But I believe that now God wants us to move into a greater understanding of the acts or the works of God. Now, I have spent years of building a foundation on the ways of God. And we do supernormal naturals on Wednesdays. I used to do them all the time, but then I moved them to just once a month. And I did that because what was happening was you, we were building this culture that didn't have a firm foundation that was all, that for the most part was revolving around the manifestations of God. And I love the manifestations of God. But you don't build a church on manifestations. You build a church on family, vision, leadership, community, but you have to have the supernatural coursing through our veins and coursing through this church. Otherwise, we'll become dead, dry. There'll be no fire. There'll be no healing. There'll be no transformations. And all we get is a lot of head knowledge. If you don't have the supernatural in your life, we tend to revert to the intellect and logic. And God has this way of messing up our intellect and logic, doesn't he? Okay, just read the Bible. The, the Bible's full of supernatural ways of God that defy logic and reasoning. And so we don't throw out logic and reasoning. We just submit it to the Holy Spirit. And I actually call that wisdom. God gives us divine wisdom to make right decisions and to be led by him in everything that we say and do. But today, and starting in this series and wherever it goes from here, we're all going to buckle in and enjoy the ride and let Jesus do what Jesus does best. We're going to be teaching and talking about the greater works that Jesus called us to do and why Jesus called us to do greater works and how he calls us to do them. There is a why and there is a how. 
All right, there is a why and there is a how. And so we're going to tackle that. And we'll tackle some unbelief. We'll tackle some questions. But we're not going to build a theology or a philosophy around the reasons of why it doesn't. All right? Because it could be a hundred different reasons why you don't see God's healing or somebody saved that had cancer that we prayed for and believed that died. Because I've prayed for several people. I've had a daughter that we believed would be resurrected in my wife's womb, not live. And we had all the faith in the world to believe for it. And so the challenge is, is we begin to build and formulate all of these, these logical reasons of why maybe it didn't happen. And then the enemy comes in to say, well, you did it wrong, or you didn't have enough faith, or there was sin somewhere, or I don't know what it is. Here's what I want to tell you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because Jesus didn't spend a lot of time on it. Jesus healed everyone that came to him, and there was a reason why he was able to do it. And I want us to do that. And when things don't go the way that we think they should in the natural, or even the way we believe that God said they would go, what I realize is God is sovereign and divine, and I trust him. I trust his leading. I trust his plan. I trust his purpose. And I have lordship. Because when you allow doubt to start to creep in, what doubt does is it inhibits you and causes you to shrink back and stop doing it. Because it's so much easier to get a shot or take a pill. And I'm not against doctors. I believe doctors treat and God heals. I believe God uses doctors. In fact, two of my favorite books in the Bible were written by a physician, Luke and the book of Acts. All right? But what we're going to do here for the sake of simplicity from this point forward, and I don't know, I say four weeks, it could go, we don't know where this is going to go. And I don't want to control it. I'm not out to steady the cart. The presence of God was always designed to be carried on the shoulders of priests, not on a cart with big wheels. And our natural tendency is to build carts with big wheels. And I don't want to do that. I want God to do what God does best, however he wants to do it. And it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about him. And it's going to be a cultural thing where we as together as a family grow and learn and believe and start to step into greater faith and greater works. It's time for greater works. There's too many people that are sick, hurting. There's too many people that are on medications that we shouldn't be on. And it could be as simple as a sleeping pill, an anti-anxiety pill, whatever it is. I I believe that we can be healed together. Now, what's neat about this is I'm going to self-deprivate in my own needs. Like right now, I kicked that ball so hard yesterday that my back, I threw my back out. So Mark prayed for my back to be healed this morning. I'm like, you know what? When it came time to dancing during worship, I'm like, oh man, my back. And then God's like, you just got prayer for healing. Get to dancing. <laughs> so I would started jumping up and down. And so I'm gonna, I am going to believe together for you and for me and for us for divine healing. I have wrestled with the symptoms of asthma since I was a child. I've had countless, countless prayer sessions. I've had more people feel the burden and the weight for me that come up to me and pray. And every time I say, come on, bring it on. And I'm not going to walk in doubt and I'm not going to succumb to the victim mentality of why didn't it happen? Oh, pity me. Something's wrong with me. No, I'm going to trust God in the process of it and keep going because you never give up. If you're a nurse, 
which we have a lot of nurses or a doctor that comes to this church, just because one patient didn't get healed, you don't stop. You keep doing what you're called to do. But the enemy always comes in to get you to think or believe lies to get you to stop. And you may have to pray for a thousand people before you fully see your first one. I don't know how. The thing is, is we're not going to formulize it. We're just going to trust God's word. All right? So the acts or the works of God have a purpose. They have a purpose. The supernatural has a purpose. That purpose is always to reveal the heart and the love of the Father. And that is love would be glorified in us. There are many works that God uses to demonstrate his love to us. He shows them in various ways and at various times, but it's always in his way and his time. You have to remember that. It's his way, his time. And he shows his works or his acts in so many ways. Now, all of us should have seen his works or his acts in some way manifest in our lives. Maybe it's overcoming an addiction. Maybe it's the healing of a broken marriage. Maybe it was the rescuing of a prodigal son. Maybe it was a new job that you'd believe for. Maybe it was a promise fulfilled. Maybe it was God transforming your heart out of bitterness and anger and hatred and hurt into a new life. Those are all equally the works and the acts of God. Okay? But there is more. God calls us to more. There's encounters and experiences that reveal who God is on another level. Okay? like being touched by his presence. It's a supernatural activity that's outside of yourself. I've taught on this in the context of the transcendent presence of God because he's in you and he's on you. You have have the transcendent presence of God and you have the imminent presence of God. God's in me. So if I'm begging God to come all the time when I'm born again, I miss this understanding that he's dwelling with inside of me and inside of you. When you're born again, you get all of him. But there's also something more. And it's when God's presence or the glory of the Lord fills the room or you feel your hair stands up on end and you're like, whoa, something's something's happening. God confirms it through a sign or a touch of his presence or in worship or when you weep or when he begins to show you a vision or speak to you in some way outside of yourself, all right? We're going to focus on the acts and works of God now. We're going to believe that something big is going to happen in our own lives that he'll continue. That I believe that the biggest tragedy for most of the body of Christ is that you go so far and then you stop. Right. Yes. It's like thus far and no more. It's like I'm saved now. And then we, what happens is, is we kind of, the natural tendency is to drift back to complacency. Yes. Yes. And then you feel like you hit a plateau and then you just set up camp. It's like, this is a pretty view. I've come far enough. I've left the past. Right. Let's just put a tent up. And let's just camp here. But God doesn't ever want you to camp. He wants you to always keep moving. And he always wants you to move with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And that Old Testament model is still applicable today. But today it's being led by the Spirit and the cloud of his presence. And it's his presence that really transforms us. And when God's presence shows up, And when you realize that he's in you and he comes out, sometimes the showing up is coming out. He just needs to come out of us. Some of us got him caged up inside and he's like, let me out. I want to touch some people. I want to use you. But it requires this 
stepping out of our comfort zone. It requires us trusting God when it may not make sense to our logic and reason or in the natural. That's the entire Christian life. That's the entire walk of faith. God always takes you from glory to glory or test to test that refines you to make you more like him. Everything's a test. You think we were talking about this this morning when, the Israel, when God sent the 12 spies into the promised land to spy it out, did God already know they could take the promised land? Yes or no? Yes. But there was still a test yes. and only two passed it. Yep. Right. I want to be Joshua and Caleb. How about you? But it's all in perspective. It's all in how you see. And it's an understanding that you can't do it in your own strength. In fact, God made it crystal clear in Deuteronomy 9. He's like, look, I'm taking you to a place that's way bigger than you. Do any of you feel like you're in situations right now that are way bigger than you? Does anybody feel like you're underwater maybe 100 feet deep? I feel that way. I feel like I have things that are way beyond my own ability right now. And I said to the Lord, I was like, Lord, I feel like I'm 100 feet underwater. Uh, he said, you are. But he said, but I have a scuba tank of grace. And he said, your regulator is my word, and the BC is my son. He'll keep you afloat. I was like, and he said, and oh, by the way, at 100 feet deep, there's fish down there that you'll never get at 30 feet. Whew, I got chills just talking about that. Now, I know this firsthand because I used to scuba dive 130 feet and catch very rare tropical fish called black caps that would sell for $75 a fish in the, in the pet store. And God brought me back to He said, man, you are so far underwater right now. Just breathe in my air. And if you know, if, if you've ever uh, scuba dove before, you have to learn to rest and breathe slower. You'll run out of oxygen a lot faster. Anyway, that's a whole nother word for another day. <laughs> so this is where we understand this can't be in your own strength. If the minute that you start to think that it's your responsibility and it's in your own strength is the minute that you fail or that you can't do it. And God continue to bring, continues to bring you around that mountain. You can't do it in your own strength. So we have to understand it's him in us that does the work. Yeah. Now we go labor with him. Yeah. But all you have to do is let your light shine. If you've been lit up, check this out. This is all 2 Corinthians 4. Your light illuminates the darkness in other people. You know what that means? That they can now see when they were in darkness and they're seeing in your light. Yeah. That was John 5 talking about John the Baptist. People gloried in his light for a season and they rejoiced in it. Yeah. So the key is to get you lit up so that you can illuminate the darkness in the, in the lives of other people. Yes. So that you, because there's not a formula for this. There's not a formula. There's trust, there's childlikeness, and there's letting the light of God shine out of you and then stepping out in faith. And then believing God for God to do what he does best. It's not my responsibility of what somebody does. It's not my responsibility for what you do with the revelation that I give you today. Yeah. In conflict, in difficult conversations, in correcting people, it's not your responsibility of how they receive it. It's your responsibility to deliver it right. But we take all this responsibility that, well, what if that doesn't happen? And what if they don't get healed? And what if they manifest? And what if they don't like me? And what if they get offended? And that's not, let's just say this together, not my problem. The faster that you can get to not my problem, the faster you'll do what God tells you to do. Some of your heads are spinning right now. You're thinking, 
You already got a situation you know you need to deal with. But you got to have confidence and wisdom from the Lord, and you always have to have a foundation of perfect love. Because if it's in your own strength without perfect love, you'll never be able to deal with that person properly. And God will keep bringing that person back into your life over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And you'll say, God, why did you deliver me out of that? And God's like, because you didn't handle it the way that I told you to handle it. So let's try this again. We could just stop right now. We could just stop right now. God has a design and intent of revealing his heart and love for everyone everywhere. Thousands of years ago, Jesus set the example for all of us to follow when it comes to revealing his love. And just as he did then, now he does now. But he did it through Jesus then. He does it through Jesus now, but Jesus where? Christ in me. Let's all say Christ in me. The hope of glory. We must do the works Jesus did, and even greater works will we do in his name, all with a purpose, to truly know the ways of the Father's heart and love for everyone, and to trust him no matter what we're going through. God calls us to trust him at all times and to stay rested at all times. And God wants us to know and everybody to know it's because of him and he gets the glory and it's him doing it through us. So that when something supernatural happens, you don't find yourself succumbing to the lies of recognition, fame, notoriety, and people will do that. But as long as you un- your, your heart's in the right place, God will keep using you. You can't take responsibility if people want to make you famous or put you on a pedestal. The key is that you stay low and you stay humble all the time. I've hammered this for a long time. I've hammered this because I believe God's going to do something really incredible in this church and in this city. I firmly, firmly believe it. We're a unique tribe with a unique purpose. And there's lots of other great churches in this city that have a unique call and a unique purpose. You find your tribe, you stay there, and you build community, and you be led by the Spirit. And it will be messy at times because we think we have it all figured out and we have all the answers, and God brings a whole lot of messy, broken people together at one time. And he says, I'm the king of my church. Yeah. I was sitting at the volleyball park at the park on the island yesterday or the uh, kickball tournament. I saw all these people. And God's like, you see all these people? I'm like, yeah. He goes, in your best day, you could never do what I've done for them. So let me do what I do best. It's called church lordship. You just need to have lordship. So if you're afraid, worried, anxious, uh, depressed, all those things are a lordship issue. All right. So let's get to the word, John 14, verse 7. Now, I want you to follow this closely because this gives very strategic key insights to the heart of the Father and now what he wants to do in us and how Jesus did things. John chapter 14, verse 7. So Jesus just says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What happened was the disciples said to him, show us the way. He's like, I'm the way. Okay? Jesus is the way. We just have to get our eyes on Jesus. Says, if you had known me, this is Jesus talking, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him yeah. and you've seen him. Why? Because they've seen and know Jesus. Yeah. All right? Philip says, but Lord, I, I love this because Philip's basically paraphrasing, you're not enough. <laughs> He's just like, you've seen him here. If you've seen me, you've seen him. And then Philip's just like, Lord, everything we need, if we could just see the father. Just like a disciple, right? Yeah. 
And so look at what Jesus says. He says, have I been with you so long and yet you'd, you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I want to pause there. Here should be our greatest desire is that when people see you, they see him. If you have children, one of the greatest things for a parent is that when people see your kids, they see your heart of love and health and wholeness. But we all know broken parents, broken kids. My suggestion to every single person here would be to make it your, if you have kids, make it your number one desire to love your children the way the father loves you. And if you don't know how that is, find out and start making it your full intention to love your kids with all your heart, okay? Because your kids will be the, the arrows and your kids will bring the confidence at the city gate, all right? And so Jesus is saying, look, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Why? Because I'm an accurate reflection of him. That's my desire. So in everything when it comes to healing or works or the supernatural, our desire is to reveal the heart of the Father. If it's about you, if it's about fame and notoriety and recognition, you may still actually heal people. I know people that have a healing ministry because they have a gift from God and their personal lives are a disaster. And we chase famous people because of the gifting on their life and their personal lives are jacked up. And let me tell you something. What would you rather have? More wine or a healthy wineskin? Because if you have the healthy wineskin, you'll get more wine. I care more about the wineskin. So that when God says, here I come, I don't waste what God's given me. And the other thing I know is people with all these famous great worship ministries and healing ministries and deliverance ministries, people tend to naturally idolize them. Then when they, quote unquote, fall from grace or have an affair or it's discovered that that whole time that they were doing these wonderful works of God, that they were liars and cheaters and thieves, then what happens to you? My heart breaks when I see megachurch pastors have affairs because I think about the 10,000 people that now just lost their pastor and it breaks for the pastor too, right? So what we want is lives that have firm foundations and healthy wineskins. I've taught that for a long time and now I believe it's time for us to experience more that God has for us on another level. (laughs) And that's revealing the Father's heart and the Father's love. It always comes back to that. So he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Verse 10, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't even speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. So this takes the pressure off. You're not the healer. It's God in you using you through his gift as he wheels, wills to touch people's lives. So who's doing the work? If you, are, if you think you're the one doing the work, when it doesn't work, you will say, I did something wrong. Right. Instead of keep just doing what he tells you to do. Because right. you realize I'm not the one that does the works. It's right. Jesus doing the works in me. Yeah. All designed to reveal the heart of the Father. Yeah. Got that? Yeah. All right. Verse 11, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. It's like, you gotta believe that we're one. They're looking for the Father, show us the Father, 
Jesus says, you're looking at the Father in me. I'm an accurate reflection. We're one. If you've seen me, you've seen him. He says, you got to believe that. But if you don't believe that, or you're struggling to believe that, look at the works that I do in my life. Now, again, Jesus did a lot of works, but we're going to focus on the works of deliverance and healing because that's worked. If you look up the word works, the word works means look at my business activity on earth. I'm, a, I'm an ambassador sent from heaven to do a job. I'm, I, do, I have transactional relationships, except what I have to give, you can't pay for, <laughs> except with your life. And many times Jesus healed people that defied all of our natural understanding of how they should be healed. So the minute you start to build a doctrine around it or build your cart with big wheels, if this is the only way that it happens around, God does it another way. Amen. I'll show you a couple of those examples. So at least believe the works. Most of, now, why would he say that? Here's why I'd say that. Let's say this together. Say, the works reveal the Father. The the Hence, the acts of God lead to the ways of God. And if your desire is not to reveal the Father's heart, then it's selfish ambition. Yeah. And in many ways, it's part of the reason why I have been hesitant to step into the more of the supernatural activity because I, I want to make sure that I can be trusted. I don't want to get, I'm not out for fame, recognition, and glory. If God wants to exalt me or us or this church in his way, he can do that. But I want to make sure that my heart and we want to make sure our hearts are healthy. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will do also. He will do also. So the first thing I want to point out is we must do the works that Jesus did. That's first. And then he goes on to say, even greater works. And I kind of looked at it in a sense as a two-step process. I first want to do what Jesus did, and then Jesus can do more in me. That's the way you need to look at that. Because I'm thinking, well, he walked on water. So I'm not going to go out to the ocean, test God to try to walk on water or the lake. I'm going to trust God to use me however he wants. And I actually believe that the walking on water was this understanding that in the midst of the storm, God can lift you high up above it. Right? And so greater works will we do. What kind of works? Healing, deliverance, Signs, wonders, miracles, life transformation, incredible teaching with authority and power and wisdom. But everywhere Jesus went, he was healing and touching all the people that came to him. But he didn't heal all the world. And in fact, there were probably people that he walked by every day that he didn't heal. Like the lame man at the gate called beautiful at the temple. Jesus went to the temple all the time. Probably walked past that guy a few times. But guess who got to heal him? His disciples. So God says, greater works. Now, I want you to catch this. And greater works than these will he do because I'm leaving. This is the point. I'm going to the Father. I was the representation on earth. Now I'm going. Now you be the representation on earth. Now I'm going to him. So then I'm going to be inside of you. John 5, 19. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. 
If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe God's word at what he said, period. It's a period. I, I don't know why it doesn't happen when I ask in his name, according to his will and his word with confident faith that it didn't happen, but I'm going to keep doing it. The problem is this gets real tricky when you all start to try to figure out the reasons why it did or it didn't. And there can be reasons, that, but if God doesn't show you, like even Jesus, when he went to heal Jairus' daughter, had to send people out of the room because they had no faith to see her raised from the dead. But that's not a formula. It's wisdom by the Holy Spirit. And it's only doing what you see the Father do and what Jesus tells you to do. But we've got to pay the price to do it. And that means we're always listening and we're always communing with him. And we're asking for wisdom. Some of you should be asking for wisdom about every 10 minutes of your life right now. That's right. I said, man, Lord, I am so in over my head. <laughs> this is so much bigger than I know what to do with. Give me wisdom. And then something comes out of my mouth, and God says, that thing that just came out of your mouth, no billionaire could pay for. Because it's more precious than rubies and jewels and diamonds and gold. Hence, hence Peter and John at the gate called beautiful silver and gold I have not. But what I do have. Because it's more costly. It's more precious than any amount of money. John 5, 19. Then Jesus said, and most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So the first thing I really want you to understand is that you can't do anything on your own. But rather it was the father in Jesus and the equipping of the Holy Spirit that empowered him. And it's the same for us today. So just trust the process and step out in faith. Yeah. He's, are you born again? Yes or no? Yes. Then let's pray for some people. Come on. Yes. Good. Is he in you or not? Yeah. Then let's pray for some people. Come on. And, and I do believe, and we'll talk about this Wednesday night, we need a further equipping. And I believe the greater equipping comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because yeah. the gift of the Spirit, one of the gifts of the Spirit is <coughs> healing. healing. Right? Wednesday night. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. God was with him. One of the things I want you to notice as we go down this series is how often spiritual sickness is connected to physical sickness. Depression, demonic oppression. Look, we can go down the road of possession or oppression. I don't care. Oppressed or possessed. Let's get the devil out. Let's stop splitting hairs over semantics. The truth is that I know a lot of Christians that are being oppressed, and I've met a lot of Christians that are possessed. You say, well, that can't be. Yes, it can. You know why? Because in the soul realm is where the devil hides. When you're born again, it's born again in your spirit. And so if a Christian, which let me just tell you, in this church many years ago, we had everybody bring all their trinkets and demonic toys. We had Ouija boards. We had sex toys. We had book, uh, all kinds of crazy witchcraft books, stuff that people just had lying around that they thought was okay. And it's not okay. And they become doorways to the enemy in the soul realm. You ever met an angry Christian? Anybody. Don't look at your spouse. You ever met an addicted Christian? They surrendered all to the Lord, and a few days later, 
they snort in a line. And then a few days later, they're back at the altar crying out to the Lord. Soul realm. That's where unforgiveness, and it's what's the soul? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So how you think, how you process, the condition of your heart, God gives you the Holy Spirit to deal with those. So notice, it says, God anointed who? The Messiah or Jesus of Nazareth? Right, but the term is Jesus of Nazareth. You know why? Because Jesus was fully man. Yes. Yes, he was fully God too. But you have to understand that he came as a man. And he had to be anointed by his own spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a man to do the works that he was called to do. So it's never of ourselves. God uses people just like you and me to do the supernatural if we'll just believe it and step out in faith in it and stop listening to the lies of the abnormal cessationists. That say it's not for today. God, he might, he might not. No, we need fervent belief and confident faith that God will do it. Let me tell you something. When a demon, somebody possessed by a demon rears up and looks you in the eyes with eyes of hate to beat you up, if you're not secure and confident in who you are, you might get beat up. I've had it happen. I had a lady leave a note for a, uh, one of her kids who was in the youth group. The kid was already in the youth group. And we don't, we don't have the parents come in unless it's an emergency. And the parent didn't come in. She left a note for one of my leaders, gave it to me and said, I am practicing witchcraft. I made a blood covenant with Satan. And tonight I will be murdering my son. Well, that's quite a note to get. Yeah. That did not happen here, by the way. Yes, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> But it wouldn't surprise me if it happened here. We've had as crazy things happen here. Yeah. And so I waited. I, and then she came back 30 minutes later and told the leader, I want my note back. Well, by law, if a, somebody is gonna, uh, says they're going to kill their kids, I have to report it to the police. Right? So I couldn't give the note back. That caused a problem. So, we, so she waits, we go outside, we sit outside at the curb, and I got um, somebody calling. There was a hotline number to call, and then we're sitting there, and she's like, I need that note back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't give you the note back. <laughs> she says, I made a blood covenant with Satan, and I can't get out of it. And I looked at her, and I said, some of you have heard this story. I said, the blood of Jesus can cancel that covenant. She goes, don't say that. And my hair stood up on end. I'm like, okay, it's on. So you might remember the story. I said, it's on. And I, I said, I'm always up for a good fight. I looked back over. I said, the blood of Jesus can cancel that covenant. She says, don't say that. She stood to her feet. I stood to my feet. She reared back her arms to punch me right in the face. She went back to hit me. And I said, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. And she goes, just like that, literally. Several of my leaders, when I was a youth pastor in Tulsa, remember the story. They were all there. But see, I had confidence from the Father in my heart to trust and believe that I had greater authority than the authority of the demon inside of this person. But what does the devil want you to do? He always wants you to fight back the way they fight. He fights at you. 
Oh, you don't, you don't want to do me wrong. Oh, don't. Oh, you just, you just slandered me on Facebook. Oh, oh, oh. oh, man, you cut me off in traffic. Don't you get out of that car. It's your natural. It's funny, but the truth is, is many of y'all are fighting back the same way the enemy fights, and there's a better way. Let's all say this. There's a better way. That's right. And if you don't have wisdom and you're not listening to the voice of the Lord, you're going to fight back in your own strength. I know you want to know the rest of the story, but I'm not going to tell it to you. I've told it before. It'd take way too much time. Maybe another time. Okay. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Hot Bots and Cigarettes and Motley Crue, friend of the, or uh, whatever the devil album was. I think it was uh, Shout at the Devil. To hell with it. Whatever it is. So Jesus did nothing on his own, neither do we. I want you to see that. You can do nothing of yourself. But when we do what we see Jesus and the Father do, we can easily do what he wants us to do for others. But we need wisdom to see and hear, and we need to step out in faith with confident belief that God will do what we see and believe what he wants to do. So now all I'm going to do is read some scriptures, and then we're going to pray. All right? Is anybody here sick today? Does anybody need physical healing? We're going to pray for you. All right? Okay. So just listen to the scriptures. Mark 6, 2. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Many times my hands get fiery hot when, I, when it's time to pray for healing. I feel a sensation in my hands. Can't explain it except to say that Jesus did work by his hands and so should we. And I want you to notice that they said, what did they notice about Jesus? Where did he get the wisdom? Get wisdom. Ask the Lord for wisdom. He'll show you things that you could never in your best day see in your own. And you'll say something, you go, who are you, little Nancy? How did God, how's God, how do you know that? How old are you? I'm 22. How do you know that at 22 years old? I mean, and they begin to beget, become astonished because it's God moving through you. Notice they saw the wisdom. See, you need wisdom. Even the Bible says, lay hands on no man suddenly. This is not a formula. This is a spirit-led wisdom and authority. How did, where's this authority? Oh, man, in my best day, I couldn't do it, but what's inside of me? I have a lion inside of me. And I'm ready to roar. How about y'all? Then verse five through seven. This is Jesus in his hometown, by the way. He couldn't do any mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. Like, oh, oh, that's all. I'm like, that's it? No big deal. <laughs> this just cracks me up. Because I think, I truly believe that healing should become normal, not abnormal. Yes. Amen. It's like, oh, he couldn't really do any mighty works there except just a little old few people, cancer guy. AIDS guy. And then it goes on to say that Jesus was astonished. He marveled, verse 6, because of their unbelief. 
So then he goes on a circuit teaching and he called the 12 to himself and he began to send them out two by two and he gave them power over unclean spirits and dealing with people that had unbelief or questioned or were offended. These people were offended at Jesus because they just saw him as a man. And see, people will just see you as a man. This, if it happened to Jesus, it'll happen to you. Who are you? You think you can do that? And then the devil comes and says, little old you, I, 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 couldn't hear, I couldn't do it when you can. Because if Jesus did it, and he had to face opposition. He faced unbelievers. He paid, people were offended at him. You just need wisdom and authority and to stop taking responsibility of the outcome. Because what happens when the outcome doesn't go your way? When everything you believe should happen didn't happen the way that you believed it should. So he says, he sent out the disciples. He sent out the, he called the 12 to himself and he began to send them out. I love this. He first called them to him and then he sent them. What we need is a lot more sitting at his feet to be sent with the right time. Because some of you got the sending, but you don't have the sitting at his feet. Your Martha's not Mary's. Because the truth is, is if this church went out for the next 14 days and went to every apartment and every house and knocked on every door to pray for everybody, we could see some healings. But we could also see a lot of people burned out, fried out, and neglected families all for the sake of ministry. The point is, is you have to be spirit-led and sit at his feet and then let him send you. And you're listening, Lord, am I supposed to pray for this person or not? So he gave them power over what? Unclean spirits. He gave them power over unclean spirits. And so we have that same power residing inside of us. Yeah. Matthew five fifteen. let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Good works shining out of me and out of you. Yeah. People need to see your good works. That's why you got to stop sleeping around and fornicating and using each other if you're single and getting your own thing and running to the clubs and the bars and calling yourself a Christian when you're sitting there drinking shots of tequila with everybody else. And they're like, well, you're just like me. That's not how you reach them. There's a better way. So we're letting our light shine out. Then he called his 12 disciples together. This is Luke 9, 1 through 2. And he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases and sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So God gave, Jesus gave his disciples power to heal the sick, cast out demons, and to walk in the supernatural. Matthew eleven two through four. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John this, the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yeah. Mark six twelve. they went out and preached that the people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So we use oil. The disciples used oil. Yeah. The Bible says anoint the sick with oil. Why? Oil is, a, is this tangible presence of the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's used for anointing, it's used for promotion, and it's used for healing. Yeah. And so it may be, seem odd to you when I bust out my big bottle of really smelly cedars of Lebanon oil, which I love, and I slather you up really good. And don't, you know, it may seem odd to you, but you know what? It's in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you're sick and you're hurting and you're broken, 
you will do whatever it takes many times to get that healing. We can go to a doctor and say, and they say, bend over and pull your pants down, and you bend over and pull your pants down. Seriously, like, give me the shot. I, I believe the shot's gonna work. And so now what we're saying is, let's believe that God and that he works in us to do something even greater. And let's not stop. It's, I, I get it. It's so much easier to take an Advil. And I take Advil. I take Advil. But you know what? I, I pray and I still believe. I could have just stopped taking my medication for the asthma. I've done it before. And 24 hours later, I can, I'm laying on my back, could hardly, could hardly breathe. And I went through the whole doubt, oh God, why didn't you? I really believed you did. I moved past that. Now I just believe. And I'm like, come on, bring it on. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.